Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast, the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. Well, it's a cold winter's morning here in the South Island of New Zealand. The fire is crackling away in the corner, and I've got my 17-year-old border collie, Jesse, asleep under the table just next to me. I'm just about to head down to the studio, and so I'm queuing up some of the audio that I'm going to be listening to while I paint. And I just love podcasts, as well as audiobooks. And that was the inspiration for me to start my own podcast and share with you some of these stories from artists who are working and thriving within the art world today. I find it amazing that Every artist that I speak to, there's a unique approach to their career. And from these conversations, we can gain something, perhaps a strategy or an insight or something actionable that we can apply to our own artistic journey. I'm certainly learning a lot from these episodes, and it's great to hear feedback from so many of you who are also really enjoying these episodes. So I have plenty more on the way. On the podcast this week, I'm interviewing Kelly Foss, a New York-based artist whose work is inspired by the human form. Her paintings and drawings are just exquisite. And so I wanted to reach out to Kelly and hear more about her artistic journey, her career, and what has led her up to this point so far. Kelly and I had a great conversation. She was really open with me, which I really appreciate. She was sharing not only some strategies for how she makes it as an artist, but also some of the technical aspects behind her work. Now, I record these conversations using Skype, so please allow for some audio glitches along the way. And also, remember, Kelly is coming to us from New York City, so you might hear some New York noises in the background. But that's kind of cool. It adds to the ambience, in my opinion. So without further ado, this is The Creative Endeavor. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be with you. Nice to meet you. I've been checking out your Instagram feed. Some fantastic work on there. Why don't we kick things off by having you tell us a bit about yourself, where you started, and what has led you up to this part in your artistic journey? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I my mom's an artist, so I grew up with art around the home. Uh, I wasn't thinking of it as like a career or anything, just being a little kid and you're dragged along to the art council meetings or art shows and the art supplies around the house weren't just average crayons. It was like oil pastels and legit sketchbooks. And so just from an early age, I was already in the art world. So it feels like it's just been a part of me forever. So when people ask me when I began art, I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. My mom will tell you that at six months old, I drew a goat's head. Wow. But that's, you know, a mom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's as trustworthy, but she swears that I was drawing from before I could talk. Fantastic. Fantastic. So you're a full-time artist now? Uh, Yes, but, you know, I live in New York City, so you always pick up whatever sort of side gigs you can do at the same time. But, yeah, my full-time gig is art. Fantastic. So how how does that work for you? Like, do you show in galleries? Give us a breakdown of what your your career looks like and how you make it as an artist. I show, uh, well, right now I have a a gallery that I show at in Texas uh, because I used to live there. then I hopefully, I haven't gotten to this point of courting different galleries to have a continually showing basis with them. So right now it's more of I enter different art shows, open calls, show at those special shows, and there's always a beginning and an end time. And then I have people contacting me online who want to either purchase something that I post that's online on my website, Instagram, Facebook, or they just want to commission me to paint somebody in their family or paint themselves. 
Fantastic. So you've put yourself out there like personally through this social media and you're starting mm -hmm. to already attract that business. And I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, the, the quality of your work says a lot. So it's no wonder that you're Thank getting you. that kind of, you know, traction already. I, I still have not been able to do that with my social media. A few pieces here and there, but it's mainly for like how to paint stuff. Um, but mm -hmm. um, it, it's always so interesting. I get a lot of that. I get a lot of people asking how. So do you teach as well? Is that a way that you kind of are able to supplement things, make things work? Yes, that, that I mean, full-time art is my deal, but my, my second love is teaching. So I teach with a group called Drawing New York. And so I do portrait workshops every few months. And I was reading about how you love teaching and I was like, okay, I get that. I totally get what you're saying of waiting for that aha moment where something you said clicks and you can see how their art just shifts and yeah. I'm like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, there's, there, I must admit that is a really nice moment. I, I mean, because I heard, I, tell me if you heard this, I, I, I got this, it drove me nuts early on. Um, when I, and and it, particularly, it was kind of confusing because when I studied art, I studied art, you know, through a tertiary institution, a university. And... Um, you know, it's almost like they did everything they could to drive the creativity and the business side of you out. And and you were set up almost to fail as soon as you walked out of that place. And I remember hearing that uh, real artists don't have to teach. I said, well, what are you all you guys doing here? You know, at university, did you not? Uh, it didn't make any sense. But I had, that, I had that thing. No, no, it, no. That's one of those moments is like, if only I had said that then. I never actually had the gumption to say it. And I probably didn't even think about it at that time. But They can't handle the truth. <laughs> pretty much. But the thing is, is I had that idea in the back of my head is that a serious artist, you know, shouldn't be teaching. They should just be working on their art and it's going to make it, man. I mean, that, that's where it's at. But uh, there's something about that light bulb moment. I mean, I was thrown into teaching by necessity. But then once I got in front of that group of people, I was like, I love this. Like, this is mm -hmm. my element. So, you know, what, tell us a bit about your relationship with teaching. I mean, because that, that kind of you're, you're reflecting a little bit of that here as well. Like, um, what, what kind of classes do you run? What's that environment like? What kind of workshops do you like to teach? Let's talk more about that. <laughs> you, you know, those books where it's like uh, math for dummies or yeah. something. I feel like I am that for art. Oh, wow. Because I feel like, especially in whatever you want to call or label it is that we do, of is it classical realism or just representational art or figurative, just realism, it feels to me like it's a very exclusive world. Like it's a very elite sports club that unless you have enough money, unless you speak the correct jargon, you're not allowed in. And that means if this is the way for you to express something about yourself or tell a story, you're just not allowed to because you don't, you don't have what it takes. And also there's this false idea of you are either talented and you got it from the start without any effort or you, you just don't have it. You, again, you can't express yourself. And I wanted to fight both of those in the way that I teach and with who I teach with because uh, it's very open to the community and I like that anyone can have access to it. Uh, it's not going to break the bank, the classes. And just being able to break down teaching into easy steps, making it accessible. And there's a book called Talent is Overrated and I complete. Have you heard of that one? I, I'm I'm looking it up right now. That I love that title. That's why I, why I, why I nod because it's a philosophy I, I you know subscribe to. So uh, talent yeah. is overrated. I'm gonna take. An, I'm gonna check out that book. Yeah, it's so good because in this art world uh, of of realism, it's like oh you you just have it or you just don't. And uh, that book and just. You know, we think about this sort of stuff all the time of just uh, fighting that thought in your head when drawing isn't going well or painting isn't going well, not condemning yourself of like, oh, I just am not talented. It's just not knowing the steps to take. And there's very natural steps that you can take 
and it is a system, it doesn't make it not creative at that point or heartless. It just, uh, I think it, it can be opened up to everybody that they can be creative and express themselves. I think that's really wonderful. I mean, that's that I, I, I totally get that. And I have felt that within particular circles. And again, particularly within the university circle, that um, this was something you either, you know, believed in, you know, if you're not part of this clique or follow toe this line in, in terms of an ideology, then mm-hmm. you're not you're not serious and, and you shouldn't be taken seriously. I mean, and I felt that trying to be a landscape painter going through a modern art school, it was it was difficult. Um, but, you know, w- when you're in a position to then turn around and teach, you know, the, it, it puts it puts you back in this space where you realize that everybody somewhere has got that desire within them. And if you can be that person to just kind of help somebody along and, and, and facilitate that growth and that development, it's, it's fantastic. The, the, thing, the thing that I have difficulty with though, with, with the whole teaching world, just on a personal level, is what it does to young people. The vast majority of my students, whenever I was teaching live workshops, were retirement age. You know, and I didn't have very many young people come through. I had a handful mm-hmm. here and there, but it was certainly the vast majority of retirement age. So now that they've lived their life and done their work and done their job, um, now they have permission to do what they want to do. And there's something mm-hmm. about that that I find kind of sad because a lot of them said, you know, oh, I wish I could have done this when I was younger. I wish I could, yeah. have, you know, I wish I should have I just took a leap of faith and, and just launched my career when I was 21, yeah. but it didn't happen. Uh, but now they've got a few years left, and so they're going to pick up a paintbrush and go for it. And there's something about yeah. that that, I mean, first I admire their strength and their courage to, to just kind of go for it at that age. But um, I think what we do to young people is, is kind of sad. Do you get many young folks coming through your classes? You know, I've had a range so far. Hmm. Um, I would say that probably young 20s all the way till I don't know, maybe later 70s. Right. It, there's quite a range, um, and that's that's why I like the the group that I teach with, Drawing New York, mm. just because it's not intimidating in the sense of uh, I'll talk to older people, and sometimes they don't want to take an art class because they're like, no one wants to teach me because you know I'm I'm older and I'm not going to have a career. And it's like, no, you have a voice just as much as everybody else, and. Some awesome artists really did start later in life. And how beautiful is that, that they get to come to a place of creating where perhaps they don't have that stress of, can I twist this to make it a something that I'll survive off of? Perhaps they don't have that need to survive off of sales of art. And that's a beautiful place to be in. That's a nice... It's a nice thing. So it's like, you know, yeah, that's come, almost, come to it as you are. It's almost true freedom in a way, isn't it? Not, not having the pressure yeah. of the sale and just going, hey, what's in me? Let's get yeah. that out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, you, you said so much earlier that, that I, I'd love to unpack. I'd just like to back up just for a minute, though. Um, you show with this gallery in Texas. Do you, do you feel comfortable revealing who that is? Oh, yes. I also, because I used to live in Texas, yeah. uh, I, so when I talk about like the business world, mm. I get all my business information and knowledge from this gallery. Because when I moved to Texas, I was just like doing art, and I was showing at this art gallery, and it's called the Hal Marcus Gallery. And. I was just showing there and I think I was picking up a piece that didn't sell in a show and they were like, oh, we could uh, use some kind of part-time help, just a small thing. It'll probably last a month. Eight years later, I'm managing the gallery. Um, I had many years of like business, uh, professional business coach coming in for like weekly meetings with us. It's had, it was just like such a wonderful, priceless art business education. And my boss there was and is a working artist, career artist. And a lot of artists, I think you'll probably agree, 
there's either a creative side or a business side mm-hmm. and they usually don't have the same brain they yeah. just can't yeah. figure that out yeah. he has that both so it's like he's super creative but he also has great business sense and yeah. great business ethics mm-hmm. so uh, that gallery I managed it and just so grateful for that Fantastic. in my past that yeah so now when I'm coming through dealing with my customers or my clients I can uphold that standard of like mm. I want them to have a great experience mm. I don't want them to ever feel like I'm the one benefiting from the sale and they're just like oh well we get yeah. a painting you know that, that's so interesting we we do generally as artists have a huge t- problem uh, a huge issue with charging for work taking money for work our whole relationship with money i think is completely screwed up and backwards for the most part mm-hmm. i mean there's some artists out there that are awesome with this um but again i i i started off with the idea that uh, i shouldn't be wealthy i shouldn't try and make money and i shouldn't go to sale it only ends yeah. up crippling you. What would you say were some of the things that you learned from this business coaching that really helped you? Uh, some of the top things that stick in your mind in terms of practices and philosophies that, that you still carry with you to this day? Uh, well, that the starving artist uh, myth or, or kind of like how we make it such this honorable thing of like if you're a starving artist you're a real artist that's just it's false mm-hmm. uh, it just means that you aren't into business and you don't have knowledge of how to treat customers um, and that it shouldn't be that way uh, it doesn't make you less creative if you want to make this as your living uh, pleasing customers doesn't mean that you have to not please yourself in your art. It doesn't mean that you're compromising. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? It, there's just so much, but it really comes down to make customer happy, make yourself happy. It can happen on the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other. How, what would you say would be your way of, of satisfying a customer, making them happy, and, and, and consequently turning them into a repeat customer? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one thing is if someone comes to you with a commission and you really don't like that idea of what they're proposing, uh, propose something opposite that you would be interested in. Say, you know, that's a really cool vision, but this is more of my thing. And like, can we direct it that way? And if you can't direct it that way, say, can I recommend you to another artist? And I think most of us have just tons of artists that we know, all different styles. So if a customer's not jiving with my style, I can recommend them to somebody. And that is me losing a customer, but that's me being able to support some other artist with that customer. Mm. And that's not me losing business, that's just good business, where Mm. hopefully there's a seamless, like that customer is gonna be taken care of, this artist is gonna be taken care of, and maybe in the future, if they have a client that they can't serve, they can send them to me, Mm -hmm. but not counting on it of like, hey, I gave you a customer and give me (laughs) one back. Yeah, but I think uh, I think the hierarchy needs to be like make sure the customer is going to be happy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then it's also just with good business practices of under promise over deliver. Yeah, of if you tell them that you're going to be done with a project or they get to see progress photos by a certain date, have it ready three days prior, like. Uh, Don't sorry. toe up to that deadline. <laughs> under under promise and over deliver. <clears throat> under promise and over deliver. So mm. say like, okay, client, I'm gonna have that painting ready for you in two months, mm-hmm. and in a month and a week, say, hey, I'm ahead of schedule. Have it ready. What do you think? Yep. Yep. And it just always always be giving 
extra value as much as you can. I think some of us work really well under that last minute deadline. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I work okay with the last minute deadline, but I way rather just for my sanity mm. to know I am gonna get this ready and done and complete. And, sure. and I'm allowing myself that cushion to be human of worst case scenario, something comes up or yeah. maybe people come into town and I just, so it's not about like under promising and over delivering. It's not about like misleading or lying to the customer. It's about allowing myself a bubble to be human, have yeah. life, allow myself to maybe have a bad week because you can't always schedule creativity of, when I say creativity, like, you know, sometimes a painting, your best plan on it, you're just like, why is this this color looking so off? Mm. And sometimes it just like, it takes a little bit of time yeah. to land on something that you're satisfied with. Mm. So I allow this bubble of just like, That's smart. hopefully I'm yeah. not going to be like an all-nighter thing because <laughs> yeah, yeah. all-nighters like, three nights in a row, not so cool. Not great, you, you start you start tripping out pretty bad after three nights in exactly. a row. Exactly, and drugs then you're are, like, yeah. I need to burn this painting. I, I sometimes wonder why drugs are so popular. Just go without sleep for a while, you're gonna be tripping out. And personally, what I what I find is that when I set something that is rigorous and, and really ambitious, I end up having to grow, adapt, and change to fill that space. And it mm -hmm. pulls me out of myself to become something bigger. It's just, yeah. it's just a, a personal thing that um, I've heard some speakers, uh, t you know, I tell you who I'm really loving at the moment and who talks who? about this a lot is Grant Cardone. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I found out about him through uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And, and I just I downloaded everything that guy had. And I'm like, I like what this guy has to say. He's, he's an interesting yeah. cat. He's a really good dude. These guys are not they're not doing lightweight stuff. Nope. They are like full throttle. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's that's cool. So it sounds to me like you are one of these people that is able to balance, you know, both this amazing artwork and guys, you know, please check out Kelly's work. I'm going to throw up her uh, Instagram. Where, where can people find you on Instagram? Just while I've, I've got that in my mind. It's uh, one word. Kelly Foss art. Foss like boss, but with an S. Foss like a boss. Foss like a boss, guys. Uh, Kelly Foss art. You're going to find some amazing um, portraits, amazing paintings. The, the drawings are exquisite. Your skill with pencil and charcoal is just out of this world. And, uh, you know, the, it, it's really, I, I mean that. Like, I'm really blown away by your work. I could learn a thing or two from you. Like, really. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. Well, I need to get over to, to New Zealand and get some uh, landscape lessons from you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That one that you just completed. Yeah. Oh, now, do people you. ever ask you, like, how many hours goes into that? All because the time. that is the hardest thing. All the time. That is the hardest yeah. thing to answer. Yeah. So, well, hours for me, I mean, and, and maybe we could talk about this a little bit, because the other thing that I do get asked quite a lot and something I'd like to pass on to you is, is your schedule. And, and what does it take to create a piece of work? One. And then how many hours each day are you dedicating to that? But I'll, I'll, I mean, with the landscape that you're referring to, it's, um, it's kind of like a winter morning, frosty scene, big pine tree. It's, it's weird, you know, because I've been working with that idea for so long. It was a result of three on plein air paintings. So three times oh. out in the field, like getting this thing in different lights and at different times of day, different seasons wow. as well is completely different. And then, and then what ended up happening is I found it on this one cold, frosty morning. Before, I, I chucked this up on YouTube as well. I did some big on plane airs. It didn't really work, but it was a lot of fun. It loosened me up. It got me in the zone. And I wasn't trying to turn out a good painting. I was just trying to have some fun with it. But then I did this oh, little 8x10. Awesome. I was really happy with that. I, I felt it was really slick. It, it had the colors, everything in the right place. So I ended up doing it from that bigger one. So if we're, if we're counting those on plane air sessions, that would probably be probably about six to eight hours there but then in the studio about 150 to 200 hours in the studio working on the big one and it's a 36 inch by 54 inch so it's reasonably big 
But wow. the thing that I like to do is I like to layer. I mean, and, and that was, I've been playing with a lot of different styles, a lot of different techniques, because I'm interested in artists, artists from the past, breaking down how they did it. What were the materials they used? What were the palettes that they were using? Um, yeah. But for me, when I'm, when I'm in my own natural zone, uh, I, I love to layer and I love to go for this, what people will call tight or slick detail. Let me tell you, it's it's anything but detailed. It is layered, but it's not really detailed. Detail's an illusion. It looks and so I love detailed. It. Yeah, it, it's it's actually it, there. There are several tricks that I'm applying to give it that feeling because I, I want you to look at it from ten feet. It drives me nuts when people get right up on the painting. And they're like, "Wow, look at the brush!" I, I can't. It's because normally the comment is like, "There's nothing there," you know. Which is so if cool. you're wanting them to view it from such a distance, now are you doing the? Uh, this is like tech talk now. Yeah. Uh, are you holding the brush like a pen mm-hmm. or are you holding it like, it's called a cigar hold, but I don't understand because you don't hold a cigar like that, but. Cigar uh, hold. Uh, you know where it allows you to extend fully your arm? I'm normally, I'm normally an under the brush kind of guy like this at the end or the, the back third of the handle, somewhere between halfway and the back third. That's where I am. Um, if, uh, but I will in blocking it, especially you'll see me hold the end of the handle like this, like a sword okay. and I'll, okay, I'll be yeah. full arm extended drawing with my shoulder. So, okay, yeah. um, and, and that's the way I like to teach as well. I mean, what I say to people is when you write up on a canvas, this actually is not very much control. You've got to stabilize everything in order to get a mark like that. Try standing without any bracing and do this on a canvas. And, and mm-hmm. here, if you're listening to this, I'm just wiggling my fingers. I'm uh, trying to isolate my elbow and my shoulder. It doesn't really work. You tighten up and you end up shaking all over the place. That's when a mall stick can help or something to brace yeah. your elbow. So I got a chair, a dental assistant chair that braces my elbow i'll use a mall stick if i'm doing this little bitty stuff but if i'm doing little bitty stuff i'm normally just kidding myself but what (laughs) what i what i like to do is is kind of yeah hold that brush from the end work with my shoulder lock out my arm and kind of do general broad sweeping motions when i'm blocking in and Mm -hmm. after a while like I, i i i'm at the point now where i'm not really thinking about it this is why i listen to audio books and programs and things while i'm painting because i'm not consciously involved so it's just happening normally i have to have people go hey what are you doing right now i'm like i don't know oh this color that color and this brush here we go you know i I don't really know um it's just happening don't you find it that that is what can make teaching mentally exhausting because you have to suddenly intellectualize what you are doing in a and yeah. verbalize it. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than being on this wonderful like cruise control where you're like, yeah. I just spent an hour with Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> and oh, look it. And this is painted. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know? l- l- let's talk about that in a second. I, I want to back up because I, I want to make sure we don't miss that question. So you're asking me that that's how long that took uh, on my oh, yeah. um uh, on that painting, and and but but where I want to pivot from there is is kind of talk a little bit about your schedule, and uh, you know I'll share with you some of the crazy stuff I'm doing with mine, and maybe people will be interested in that too. But what what is your what does your routine look like? I mean, maybe we can start off as well. Like, typically, you probably get asked this: How long does it take you to make a painting? Yeah, so it depends on the size of the painting of and the difficulty level. Uh, for a long time like especially on my Instagram where you'll see my still life paintings uh, just little subjects and it's usually just a singular subject normally with still life paintings I like to do a one and done where I sit down maybe it's four hours and a simple subject and it's a small painting maybe it's like I don't know eight by eight or something and just one session done so those are kind of like my faster works and I really enjoy that because there's a freshness to it and uh, if I'm doing portraiture or figurative art uh, I like to work from life and if I can get a model for a month I will take a model for a month Uh, if I have a friend sit for me for three hours then I've got to make it work so my approach is different depending on what supplies I have, how much time I have. So each piece is a, a new venture. I'm not ever that consistent. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, and, and same with me. I mean, I get asked that all the time. And it's like, hey, how long does it take? I was like, well, what are we talking about here? A seascape, a portrait, you know, a <laughs> landscape, and how big? I've got one that I'm doing now that's two and a half meters long. That's that's taken me months so far. So, uh, wow. you know, but it, it, it all depends, right? You know, and, and so the yeah. other one is, is what is your, talk, talk to us a little bit about your routine and, and what that looks like and how many hours a day are you spending in your, on your art and how many hours a week, you know, do you, what, what's oh. it look like? How do you make this work? Uh, since when you become just a career artist, you are an entrepreneur. It is a small business that you're running and that means you're the boss and you make the hours. Uh, so for about four years there, I was in big shared studio space, shared models. And so my morning started at 8.30 and I'd have four hours with a model in the morning, four hours with a model in the afternoon. And then my day would end cleaning up my palette at like 5.30. So it'd be about eight hour days of in the studio. And then sometimes I would just do a one and done still life painting after that. So life was maybe about eight to 10 hour paintings Monday through Friday. And now that I am out of that group big studio and I work out of a studio in my apartment, I set the schedule of, you know, we have these ideals of waking up super early and knocking out a painting. But I've realized my brain really likes it to wake up moderately early, have a cup of coffee, uh, listen, listen to something, and look over the pieces that I have not completed and kind of noodle around on those paintings. And uh, I am a big food person, so I'm gonna take some breaks and eat. Mm -hmm. And also, I love working from natural light. So sometimes the day dictates what I'm doing. Because right. if I'm working on a still life and the natural light is casting a beautiful shadow, and then suddenly it's an extremely overcast day and it's just so ambient, everything is lost and the colors are kind of blown out, then my plan will change to be like, oh, okay, actually, I'm going to be working on a... <clears throat> Grisaille or a black and white drawing or something. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I, I try to work in uh, creating, especially in the earlier part of the day. Mm -hmm. And if I can get over and do something of uh, business world of replying to my emails, and I, I have to find a, even a better balance nowadays of making sure that I'm spinning those plates on that side and doing my painting and my creativity on my other side. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a lot of different things we have to balance out, a lot of things that we take into to account. I mean, many people don't realize uh, that aren't involved in art, but even people starting out in their art career don't realize how many different hats we're gonna have to wear in, in this journey. And, yeah. um, you know, whilst it, it might be nice for some and we can delegate everything that isn't painting, I have not found a way to do it for my own career yet. And I find myself working, you know, consistently six days <clears> a week, you know, at least at least 14 hour days, at least, you know. Yeah. But, but it's but I mean, again, for anybody listening to that going, wow, man, you're crazy. Uh, I, I'm obsessed and I, I can see by the quality of your work as well that you're obsessed, too, even though. You're kind of thinking that's work time. I mean, I talked to Caesar Santos, and Caesar said, I, I asked him, How many days a week do you work? He's like, Seven. Work every day. He said, Because I'm always thinking, man. I'm always thinking yeah. about these things, and I'm always conceptualizing something. Even if I go away on a trip, I'm looking at, I'll find a person, I'll see a shadow. I'm working, I'm working, I'm constantly soaking it up. And I love that. I love that about him. I, th I think um, he, he's got he's got a great attitude towards it. For me, I mean, I'm trying to work, and I, I end up actually working seven days as well. It's just um, with where I am now, one of those days is taken up, you know, for the most part with stuff I have to do around here because we have a little bit of property, and um, you know, I got to take care of a few things, and also the nearest town is about an hour away where we get our groceries. Do you have sheep? No, I don't. I have some. <laughs> I have some neighbors that are sheep. You know, <laughs> I was about to say, is that a good New Zealand stereotype? You have sheep? 
It's a highly offensive New Zealand stereotype. Right? <laughs> I was going to bring a kiwi with me, but then I was like, oh. Aww, that would have been great. No, look, <laughs> I, there, there are a bunch of sheep in, uh, in New Zealand, absolutely. And there's a lot of sheep around where I am, and they make beautiful subjects for paintings. You know, oh, gorgeous. There's a big wool industry here. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to uh, dedicate as much as I can uh, to, to this thing. And I think, I think, would you agree? I mean, you have to put in pretty much everything you can. You've got a particular way of working where your parameters are set creatively by what the daylight hours are doing. I mean, if I had to do that, I think it would be, be a lot harder for me. So the fact that you've, you've kind of put this you know, limitation, yes, but a, but a creative, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a creative avenue. And so it's a good thing. It's a good limitation, I can see, because it shows, you know, it, you're, you're still, you're still dedicated to this thing. You're still involved in this thing. I mean, how many, how many people do you ever, do you come across where they hear that you're an artist and they fantasize about what that must be like? And they're like, wow, must be nice for some. You know, I think it's just a thought that people have of just like, oh, you just don't want to work. It's like, oh, wow, you have no idea how much work goes into this. The art business, there's another false idea of just make awesome art and put it on a wall and buyers will come. Like, if you build it, they will come. Oh, worst philosophy ever. (laughs) I know, but that's the idea. And then if... If the buyers don't come and magically magnetized to this hidden room with paintings, then it just shows that society doesn't appreciate true art. And you are one of the true artists because you're starving. Wow. Like, no, you just gotta, gotta hustle. And it takes, like you're saying, you are always working. And it's ideal that you're working in front of your easel, but often it's in front of your computer screen talking with uh, your clients or potential clients or uh, one of my favorite things of doing is just uh, while I'm leaving a painting in a state of I'll be back to you at some point taking a photo and you know you always have your cell phone with you just looking at that photo of my painting and it can get on my nerves of being like oh that's what I'm not digging about it yeah. So already in my brain, I'm working on the painting of what my next steps are. What's my next layer? Mm. Am I going to glaze that to correct that? <laughs> so ideally, it'd be great to do some work directly at the easel. But there's so much work to be done mm-hmm. outside of it, just even mentally. Yeah, no, that's so true. I, I call that cook time, you know, where, I, mm. where I'll put something away for a while. And, uh, and and try and think about the solution. I mean, or, or even hang it up on the wall. Taking a photo is a great way. You know, there's, there's something about taking a photo on your cell phone and looking at the image on your cell phone because it reduces the painting. The painting might be a meter and a half across and now you've reduced it to this little tiny screen and suddenly mm-hmm. you're viewing it from a distance because you can't get any closer to it. And now suddenly everything becomes apparent. You're, the blaring mistakes in your composition or the color balance or something's off yeah. and you can say, hey, this is exactly what's happened. I love that. I think that's, that's a great idea. Um, but look, you know, you you mentioned something there that I, I really feel like it needs to be addressed. You know, you, you could do the best work and keep it in the closet or keep it, you know, it just hanging in the room. And, and yeah, paint it, build it, and they will come. Uh-uh, not going to happen. So how do you market yourself? How do you kind of, you know, put the word out there and say, hey, I'm Kelly Foss. I'm, I'm the, the boss of art. Come and buy my stuff. How do you do this? One, I would block me if I heard me say that. <laughs> I think it's great. I think you should start saying that I was like, thumbs down. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think we have too much of that in the art world. It's like, or, or maybe it's healthy. I don't know. <laughs> Not me. Not me. Well, right now, I think in business for artists, if you if you want to become a career artist and have this is what you do, we are in the best time because of the internet. And there are so many ways to market yourself nowadays. Mm. And uh, especially with Instagram mm-hmm. or a Facebook so I, I tell people that there are two ways to go about this. Right. And I would love to hear if you agree. Sure. 
there is being consistent, Mm -hmm. having a schedule, Mm -hmm. just consistently putting stuff out, Mm -hmm. or there is shock and awe. Mm. There is, it's not as consistent, but when you post something, it is wow. Wow. Mm. So there's two ways of going about it. I, I really love a philosophy of consistent shock and awe. I think that's great. Can we combine <laughs> the two? How cool would that be? I would love that. But I mean, I think that lends it to, to like your personality where you're just like, I'm going to run and like yeah. <laughs> see how fast I can go and keep on going. And people are like, hey, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And you're like, it's okay. I got this. <laughs> I, I sprint my marathons, man. I mean, come on. Oh. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a little jogging and yeah. be easing on my joints and Oh wow. Like, wow. I'm going to I'm going to enjoy the birds that I see that I'm walking by. We, we should That's you know, my philosophy. <laughs> at some stage when I'm in New York City, I would love yeah. to just come and, and and spend a bit of time, you know, Rachel and I yes. will come spend a bit of time in your studio cuz maybe I could use a little bit of that chilled out vibe that you have happening here. That uh, that slow and steady marathon approach. I, I can feel that uh, you know a little bit about your personality just in the time we've been getting to know each other. And then I, may- I want to say that's my personality, but I think I'm more like a duck where you're like, "Oh, it's all serene on top of the water, but under the water, it's just like paddling oh, cool. like crazy." Oh, yeah. that's cool. Okay. Well, I, but you're right. I mean, you know, th- this is an amazing time and it's a time for optimism. It's a time for positivity, I think. And I just want to throw out something there as well on a, on a personal note. And, and probably not many people will know this about me. My, my close friends will. I spent, during the United States election that happened recently, I spent a solid two years glued to the news. And what that did to me, what that, what that did to my personality is it just took me from a level 11 out of 10 all the way to a five or a six. It dulled me right down. I got pessimistic. I got scared. I was worried about the end of the world. I was worried about the economy. I was worried about all this stuff and not focused on my business and not focused on my art. It took a dive, you know, and you'd be going, well, hang on. This was during the time you actually also launched your YouTube channel. Yeah, but how awesome would it have been if I really showed up? So my personal philosophy is get away from news, get away from media, anything that brings down your energy, anything that takes, you know, a negative toll on your psychology. And start mm-hmm. to realize that you're right. You know, we do live in an amazing time to be an artist. There's never been a time like this. We have this thing called the internet. I never would have known about you. You wouldn't have known about me. I couldn't have yeah. messaged you and gotten in touch and say, hey, Kelly, let's do a podcast. What's a podcast? You know, it, this is an amazing <clears throat> time for us to get out there, share our work, spread ideas, develop and grow and really explore this thing. You know, and, and to make money, to monetize this, which I feel if you're an artist and you want to have a full-time go at doing this and be a career artist, you got to learn how to monetize it. And you got to yeah. 10X that. you got you got to really work out how to monetize this thing out the wazoo. Because, you know, my first goal, and, and let me know if this rings true for you. My first goal when I started, you know, painting and becoming an artist was, you know, I just wanted to sustain creative production. If I could sustain my creative production, I was all good. But then after a while, once I did that, it wasn't enough of a goal. I had to kind of up the goal a little bit. I thought, well, this is cool. I'm just making it. Making it. I don't have to get a job. I'm able to pay the rent and the groceries, but I got no savings. I don't have mm-hmm. money to take that trip I really want to take to go and get more reference. So then I had to kind of set higher goals and demand a little bit more on myself. When the internet kind of really took off and social media kind of took off, I was like in the height of my career. I didn't take advantage of that. I'm not even taking advantage of it now properly. I'm trying to just kind of break into that learning about this going, wow, it's just dawned on me recently how amazing this time is and how amazing the opportunity is. Well, what you do that I appreciate is uh, that you are generous with what you're knowing and you are giving it away. And I feel like, especially in, I guess any entrepreneur, But in the art world, when uh, there is the starving artist thing going on, you start being selfish. Mm -hmm. So you start hoarding your information. You hoard the ideas of knowing about competitions and like, don't tell anybody. Or 
uh, art galleries needing new artists. It's like, oh, quick, like keep it to yourself, mm -hmm. hide all the value, like hoard. Mm -hmm. And you are doing videos, you're doing content, you're on your website. And it's like, this is so good and so healthy because in you just flowing out this information and being generous, mm -hmm. you're helping one, a whole new generation of artists come up. Um, but also it's, it's really good for your health because then you like just get to another level of like, okay, I, I feel like when you teach something, you really conquer it and you really make it your own. Oh so then you can gosh, just step yes. on top. 100%. And then you just keep on. Yeah. 100%. Right? Yeah. It's, it's so, I, it, but that's the thing. I mean, we were talking in the beginning about those light bulb moments, that aha moment in our students. The person in the class having the aha moment is me. I imagine it for you. When you teach, it's you. You know, that yeah. this is this is a person where it's like, bing, oh, I get that. It's like, well, funny that I'm the person teaching the class. But it's so true. You know, there, there's this old saying that you don't understand something until you can explain it to somebody else so that they may understand. And mm -hmm. I found out when I first started teaching, I didn't know a damn thing. I really didn't. <laughs> I was kidding myself. I could paint a decent picture, but I couldn't enunciate what the hell the process was. I didn't know. And so it's like, let's have a lesson on composition. Oh, yeah, what's that? Let's talk about color theory. I don't know what complementary opposites are. And now suddenly I have to, I'm accountable, I'm responsible. I start just absorbing all of this information and just going for it, you know? And, and yeah. it ends up making you so much more. And then it, it just gr drives those grooves in your brain and the, it builds those neural pathways and makes them stronger and stronger the more you talk about this stuff. I love it now, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to it. But I mean, you, you mentioned something there. Let, 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 me, let me just unpack that, you know, about giving the content away. I'm the one receiving. Like, honestly, and anybody listening to that, that I, I mean, the, the, what you were talking about there of, of people kind of hoarding knowledge and hoarding work, not putting themselves out there, not sharing that perhaps could be the biggest mistake you could make in your career because energy information, especially money is a flow. And when you're giving something has to come in to fill that void. Now that might sound like a bunch of woo woo, but it's because I put my videos out on YouTube that I landed in the last year, two of my biggest clients. And in one single sale, in one single purchase, they, there wow. was more than I had made the previous year combined. Wow. And that's because the guy's wife saw a YouTube video. That's you don't awesome. know where you're going to get it from. So anybody yeah. out there that can teach or wants to teach, throw your stuff up online, throw your stuff on Instagram, put out a YouTube channel. But heck, I hope we have another dozen odd YouTube channels that spring up as a result of this podcast. I hope people understand that they gotta, they gotta do it. You know, I have been for probably about a year and a half now talking about, I'm going to be starting a, a vlog. I'm gonna start a vlog. And I've slowly, cause you know, you gotta keep, got to keep all the balls in the air that you're juggling mm -hmm. so it's like i want to be like faithful to my present responsibilities mm -hmm. but slowly adding in new things so i finally have the camera finally have a halfway decent mic mm -hmm. and i'm like in the final steps of like almost there so mm -hmm. soon to join you buddy <laughs> awesome awesome i'll see you next week i hope to be watching your video by then this is what i mean about unreasonable 10x like massive action here where like right now like this is where if i was in the position of like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna be so bold and i'm gonna give kelly foss some some advice here and, and anybody else listening anytime you yeah. have something like that where because i mean it, it could be the youtube video and it could be the painting that you really want to do or that commission you really want to go for. It doesn't matter. What we tend to do is we set that as a future event and we make it feel all nice and warm and fuzzy. And we look at that future event and go, oh, isn't that nice? One day it's going to be wonderful without actually yeah. taking massive action immediately. I will never leave the site of setting a goal without doing something towards its attainment. You have to yeah. schedule it, you have to plan an action and then do something <laughs> immediately towards that goal's attainment. So. For me, like I, I was talking about, people don't know, I was talking about that my YouTube channel for like three or four years before I launched it. Before I got it in my head that if I don't start now, it's never gonna start. So what happened is I started before I was ready. I started before I had the skills of even knowing how to talk to a camera. I, I, I still am getting used to it. It's still weird for me. To get five yeah. minutes of narration out, I'm talking for 45. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it's hard. It's hard, but the thing is, is that you're never gonna be ready. Just put yeah. it out there, man. Just put it out there. 
And so, you know, that, that would be my recommendation for you, for anybody that wants to start something or do something is start now, start immediately. Heck, you can make this your first video to go up in your channel. Use content for you. Oh, oh, then you'll, you'll copy strike me or something, right? <laughs> Heck no. Look, and here's the other thing about copy strikes and, 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 and the community. Like the more the merrier, like I'm getting in touch with other people who also have YouTube channels. You know, and, and yeah. also are doing this thing. We're, we are a community and the more yeah. the merrier. It's fantastic putting this stuff out there. Well, it's neat because it's like I get private messages from people um, all the time asking me uh, some sort of technical question of mm -hmm. how is it that you're drawing that or how, how do you paint this? Mm -hmm. And it's great where I can be aware of you and like James Gurney and Scott Waddell mm -hmm. and be able to say, hey, check out and send them links mm -hmm. and say, I think they can explain it to you in a good way that you will get it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love that and I, I look forward to being one of those voices at some point, perhaps not doing like step-by-steps, but at least my <clears throat> random, like if you read my, my posts, they're kind of random musings sometimes, so. I think they're it, wonderful. I think there's some. As really you can beautiful tell with our conversations, where you're like, "Let me redirect." It's like I'm like, "Oh, no, no." I, well, and this is the thing. I mean, I, I people will know by now with this podcast that, that it might ramble. It's a conversation. You know, these are two yeah. artists getting together, having a conversation, and having some fun with it. I mean, I, I I'm not an interviewer, but I just enjoy talking. And wherever the conversation goes, it's fine. We're just talking. It's great. Um, and, and I think uh, hopefully it's a, it's, a, it's a fun listening experience for people who are just kind of tuning in and like, oh, okay, I want to see what, where this goes. You never know what's going to come out of that. I think also when you plan and when you direct something too much, you kind of just squeeze and suffocate the life out of something to the point where y you end up missing that opportunity or that little spark of spontaneity or something. So it's quite as much as I am a fan of planning, you know, sometimes you just got to let it flow, man. Let it flow. Well, anytime I see people online and I'm like, oh, this is an artist I love. Mm. And then I realize, oh, they're friends with this other artist I love. Yeah. If someone was to say, hey, they're going to go to a bar right now and talk. Do you want to join them? I'd be like, yes. Awesome. Like, definitely. So this is the sort of like podcast I'd want to be listening to because it's just like, you know, just shooting the breeze, talking about <laughs> stuff, talking about stuff that's real to us. So. Obviously, you know, I, I can hear from you that business, vis, business development, all that sort of stuff is, is kind of important to learn some new ideas, new philosophies to then inject into your art career. What are some of the things that you're listening to in terms of podcasts, maybe some audio books? Could you recommend some titles to people listening? Okay, well, that book I mentioned, Talent is Overrated. That is great. Uh, let's see. On, of course, same as you, Gary Vaynerchuk. I think he is just smart business, which can transcend to all business. doesn't matter that this is the fine art world. It really is transcending information. Uh, I think a good motivator is Mel Robbins. She's just, she's just, uh, it, it's, it's kind of like a feel good motivation. Um, who else? There's so much. You can just look up on YouTube, like motivating video or something. Yeah, Start yeah. your day right. And bam, like there's no excuses. There's so many, there's so much good information out there awesome. to help with small businesses and your art career. But you know, it's interesting because there's such a need out there for people to kind of feed their psychology, feed their mind and, and kind of get out of the funk. There's a lot of artists out there that are stuck. And I think personally, you know, the best way for me to get unstuck is listen to people who specialize in getting unstuck. Sometimes that is just outright motivation. Um, but I, I prefer motivation from the people that aren't career motivators. They've made it in another business. They're kicking field goals from, you know, the other side of the field within their own business, their own niche and then they come into the marketplace and they say this is how I did it within this business you know Gary Vaynerchuk's doing it with online marketing but he's doing it he started with his wine business you know Grant Cardone is a real estate tycoon uh, Tony Robbins specialized you know he's a great motivator but he specialized in like psychology human behavior and NLP yeah. neuro, neuro linguistic programming you know and they're, they're, Tim Ferriss is another guy you know Tim Ferriss is fantastic he had an amazing background in uh, based in San Francisco and put out a 
great book called The Four Hour Work Week. By the way, I highly recommend The Four Hour Work Week, but don't, guys, don't read that book expecting you're only going to be working four hours. This is a book on how to make your business a little bit more efficient. And it's a clickbait make, title. <laughs> make, exactly. It's smart marketing, but make time for those things that are most important. Most people want the four-hour work week because they want to spend the rest of their 50, 60 hours a week painting. We get to do that. So how do you make that work? Now, I, I want to talk about a couple of uh, technical things, if, if we can, if we could just kind of pivot and, and go into like, you know, because I, I love portraits. I love your process of, of drawing and painting portraits of figures. You know, talk to us about how you get that beautiful classical feel in your paintings. Is there a particular technique that you're applying? Could you talk to us about how, how you do that? How you layer the paint, for instance, what your palette's like? Talk us, like, just roll through the process of creating one of these magnificent paintings. Um, okay, well, the technique that I use, or the method, is the observational method, or some people call it the comparative measurement method. Uh, and that is that when I'm working with a live model, I'm looking at them right in front of me, and I am either visually or with my pencil out in front of me or my paintbrush right out in front of me, I'm kind of comparing like the width of their head to the height of their head. And uh, that's like a process that's going in to kind of check to see if what I'm capturing on my paper or my canvas is correct. Okay. And I hate, hate using the word correct when it comes to art because it, it feels like you're doing a pass or fail test or something. But when you're dealing with realism, anatomy is not to be messed with. Like bones are bones and, yeah. you know. Anatomy does not lie. Yes, exactly. Although you can't so, lie about anatomy, but uh, yeah. This <laughs> is so yeah. like, I'm going to put a shrub right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you can cover it up with landscape painting, but yeah, you're right. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with direct observation. So, so once you kind of observe where the planes of the face are and your features are, then you take a photograph of your model, you print that out onto canvas and you start tracing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> No, My no, so hurt. no, no. Okay, so from there, so from there, what you're doing is then you're sketching that up live on the canvas as you're doing these mm -hmm. these measurements. And so, what what kind of surface are you working on? Is it a is it a primed linen or a canvas? What 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 do you use? Well, for many years, I was using just Strathmore, I think Series 400 drawing paper, okay. and just uh, drawing the model and eventually getting to kind of a blueprint stage of seeing where uh, the, the contour, the outline of the model is looking good, proportions are looking good, the anatomy, there's like little points on the anatomy that I want to make sure that I'm capturing. And at that point, then I would take that drawing and either put charcoal dust on the back of it, or maybe get a copy made of that drawing and put charcoal dust on the back of that, mm -hmm. place it on a canvas, trace it and it's one of those transfers at that point right. and then uh, going over those dusty charcoal lines with some ink uh, maybe with a paintbrush or even with just a pure ink pen mm -hmm. and then you have this wonderful blueprint right onto your canvas and that's a that's a pretty big process in itself mm -hmm. so as time went on I wanted to focus more on speed because especially when you're dealing with a live model uh, especially if it's a client, mm. they don't want to be hanging out for that that long. No. So I eventually started just terping out some, adding a lot of terp to some like burnt umber or raw umber on my palette and going right on to uh, uh, a primed, an oil primed linen mm -hmm. uh, that's stretched. Mm -hmm. And uh, that would absorb it really well and you have this great you're doing all the drawing, but now it's with paint. Mm -hmm. And you're not adding any thickness. Mm -hmm. So when you're painting, you're doing what they call is fat over lean. So right. you're keeping the lower levels really uh, cut to be almost a fast drawing by using terps or just painting super thin. Right. 
So I was doing that and then I realized I enjoy working on board, like oil primed board. There's wow. like an immediacy to it. Yeah, yeah. So then I started doing that whole drawing with turpin and paint mm -hmm. on board. And that was kind of, that's kind of like where I've ended up right now. But I'm always evolving. I'm just like checking out something else. And so, so in that process, there's no medium as such. You're just using terps and oil paint on board. That's it. No oil, no liquid, no nothing. No. Uh, yeah, I leave, I leave uh, some, uh, what's it called? Oleo gel? Yeah. I'll maybe use that on my palette in like final stages. Right where I'm thinking, you know what? I don't think I hit that blush on her cheek enough. Okay. I think it'd be neat to do like a glaze with just a touch of crimson yeah. or, or maybe some cad red, just Fantastic. a touch of it in some oleo and like add a nice little like terminator of mm. like a saturation or something. Beautiful. So is that is that Rublev oleo gel or which one are you using? Uh, you know, what is it? Oh, it's called solvent gel when solvent uh, Gamblin gel. has it. So that's the one that I, I actually enjoy. Gambling. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. I've not actually yeah. used that. I'm going to have to check it out. Hey, look, we, we've nearly done an hour. Thank you so much for your time. I'd just like to kind of wrap this thing up. You know, anything that uh, you think would be uh, interesting as kind of parting advice or wisdom, you know, I, I want to want to put a message out there to the young folks who are who are thinking about going into art as a career, you know, trying to become a little bit more hopeful, enthusiastic, and optimistic about what the future holds for them, what, what would you like to leave people with? To think that you can make art your career, don't think you have to follow somebody else's path. Make your own path. I think the artists who are really going to be the breakout successes now are going to be the innovators who are doing something that no one's done. Uh, so be a trailblazer. Don't think that you have to go the gallery route or you have to paint like that artist you love. Be inspired by these artists, but don't copy them. Do like find out what makes you you and just lean into that. Like make you the most you you can be. Uh, I don't, there's different venues of art that we haven't even tapped into. They haven't even been created yet. Yeah. So don't think you have to be a giant stoic portrait painting artist hanging in only the top galleries that are in Vegas or London or yeah. something. Yeah, that's awesome. Do, do something different. Kelly, again, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you online? Give us your website, your Instagram again, maybe your Facebook page. Okay, my Instagram is... Kelly Foss Art, one word. My uh, Facebook is that forward slash Kelly Foss Art, and my website is Kelly Foss. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Okay, and that's because Foss. Kelly Foss Art would just repetitive. Fair, fantastic. Yeah. So that's Foss like a boss, guys. Two S's. Foss Excellent. like a boss, just with F. Excellent. Excellent. Kelly, thank you so much. I really, I, I actually hope we could do this again sometime. I, I, I learned yes. some things and uh, it's been great talking with you. Come to New York. We'll get some coffee. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Creative Endeavor podcast and a big thank you to Kelly Voss for joining me. If you'd like to see more of Kelly's work, then she can be found on Instagram. Simply type in at Kelly Foss Art, all one word. She can also be found on Facebook. Search Kelly Foss Art. And of course, her website, www.kellyfoss.com. Now, if you wouldn't mind doing me a huge favor, just taking a minute to leave me a rating or a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, I certainly would appreciate that very much. It makes the show a little more discoverable and helps other people find these inspiring stories, and hopefully it'll help them get a little more out of their artistic journey as well. Now, a big thank you to everybody who has left me a review so far. They have been flooding in. I think iTunes, though, might have a little bit of an algorithm or something there where 
We need to reach a threshold before the reviews start actually showing up on the iTunes page, but I have access to them and I really do appreciate reading them. I got one here from Christina from Canada who writes, I love listening to the podcast. It's inspiring. I also enjoy that I'm being introduced to artists that I did not previously know. I don't have a formal art education, so I appreciate that the podcast is very inclusive for those of us who are just learning on our own. Well, thanks very much for that little review and the five stars, Christina. I really, really appreciate it. Now, it's my sincere hope that I'm providing some content for you, something to feed your mind and inspire you while you create your own work in the studio. From the sheer volume of emails and messages that I've been getting about the podcast, you've really inspired me to make this show weekly. So now you can expect to hear the creative endeavor on your favorite podcast platform every week. And here I'm going to be releasing on Monday's New Zealand time. And don't forget, there's also a video version of this podcast available on my YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed to my channel already, please do so. You'll be notified as soon as I upload another podcast. Now, of course, if you want to find out a little more about me, then simply visit my website, www.andrewtischler.com. Now, it's been great spending some time with you here. I look forward to being with you again in another episode of the creative endeavor.